Chapter Sixteen of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Auntie always sees things. If you like pretty home scenes, a glance into one of the upper rooms of Mrs. Jonas Smith's house that winter evening would have given you pleasure. It was Lida's own pet room a sort of sitting-room for mother and daughter and any specially favoured guest but called by courtesy lida's she was the central figure in it on the evening in question her plush-covered couch was drawn up before the grate and herself in delicate blue wrapper with soft laces at throat and wrists looked in the play of the firelight like some fair bud plucked from the greenhouse to blossom in midwinter lida was certainly very pretty prettier in her simple blue wrapper and quiet face than she had ever been before irving occupied a chair placed in just the right position for watching the varying expressions of her face her mother but a few degrees farther removed from invalidism luxuriated in the large old-fashioned easy-chair a footstool at her feet her salts and her fan and other graceful appliances of convalescence on a little table at her side laura was in trim evening costume her careful toilet telling as plainly as any other little thing that the cloud of care and anxiety had lifted and there was time to arrange her hair in crimps once more and wear something besides the plainest of darkest dresses and linen collars she was toying also with bright-coloured wools amid which the lights and shadows from the fire played hide-and-seek in fantastic manner perhaps after all the central figure of our family group was the great rocking-chair in which rested the trim form and strong plain face of mrs solomon smith her knitting lay idly in her lap for mrs smith was tired she had been out all the afternoon intent on her own plans asking no escort through the great city from any one indeed there had seemed to be no one to escort her she did not deem it wise to have both of us away from the frail invalid laura still occupied her position as self-appointed hostess and had innumerable callers to entertain and irving had returned to his post and was laboring hard to atone for lost time as well as in token of gratitude for unparalleled past kindnesses there had been talk of sending for erskine to accompany mrs smith on her tour of observation but she had scorned the idea i shouldn't know what to do with a boy at my heels she said earnestly my boys were all girls you know and i never was used to anybody but solomon you needn't be afraid of my getting lost i don't believe i could get lost if i should try i always bring up all right she carried her point and went off in triumph on the street-car her only companion the greenish umbrella which did duty as a cane she had been gone for hours and laura was in a flutter to hear some of her experiences auntie always sees things she said to lida she goes everywhere with her eyes open wide and if you had been the same route a hundred times it makes no difference she sees a hundred things that you never thought of two doors opened from the room in which we were sitting 
one was lida's own adorned with all the hundred little prettinesses which a girl of taste and means likes to gather around her the door was ajar and revealed glimpses of blue and white carpeting and furniture done in blue and white panels blue silk and white lace curtains at the windows a very bower of beauty the other door opened into the guest chamber which was a counterpart of laura's and my beautiful room across the hall save that it was furnished in even more excellent shades and tints so laura thought and this room was now the private property of mrs solomon smith on the very first night that she had consented to leave her charge in experienced hands and take an entire night's rest mrs jonas smith had called laura and said my dear will you see that aunt's room is in perfect order have the heat turned on and the gas lighted and everything i leave it to you to see that she is entirely comfortable you know which her room is the one that opens to the left out of lida's sitting-room i have had her trunk brought there she will naturally like to be near to lida and lida will like to have her so i took the liberty of changing her room it was a liberty which laura certainly was very willing to pardon and this was all that had been said about auntie smith's room i do not know that mrs jonas smith understands to this day that we knew anything about the fireless attic chamber we had arrived at the time when the whole house delighted to do honor to the country relative it was tardy hospitality but we took the hint from the dear old lady's own large heart and never mentioned the attic chamber again the only comment that mrs solomon made when laura escorted her to her new room was to gaze about her with astonished eyes and say deary me i wouldn't mind having solomon see this room laura said there was a little sigh at the close of the sentence i doubt whether any of us realized what a trial it was to the loyal old heart to lie down in the midst of all this grandeur and think of solomon in his loneliness come auntie laura said after a little impatient waiting for the clicking needles to commence laura knew that when mrs smith knitted her tongue was apt to keep time with her fingers aren't you rested enough to tell us about your afternoon lida wants to hear of your adventure then lida's voice oh aunt maria i have been waiting these two hours to hear all about it it is so long since i have been in the street you know bless your heart said mrs solomon nothing happened to me that would be worth your listening to i dare say i went and i came and i got along all right though i must say there was more people going the same way and the opposite way too for that matter than was at all convenient i couldn't help wishing that they had all stayed at home just for one afternoon and given me a chance still i'm back and no bones broke which considering what i have been through is something wonderful you ought to have waited until saturday and then i could have taken care of you this from irving spoken in tones of genuine anxiety he had adopted the country aunt with all his heart and soul oh no she said briskly taking up her knitting i got along first-rate i didn't need a bit more care than i had 
folks was real kind considering what a hurry they was in i never see the beat of city people for hurrying and the women are as bad as the men i do say one might have thought that every mortal woman i met to-day had left a baby at home tied in the high chair and a mince pie burning up in the oven by the way they crowded and pushed and elbowed themselves along to get into places first i thought that when i got into the street car there would be less of a crowd but dear me that was worse than anywhere else why there wasn't even standing room left in one car and yet the people kept pouring in and the conductor would call up pass up to the front there please when we was standing as close as pickles in a jar i can't make out where all the folks was going to i asked a girl if there was any great meeting or anything special going on but she was deaf i guess she just tossed up her head and made no answer i believe that at that moment mrs jonas smith rejoiced in the invalidism that had kept her from attending her sister-in-law she was a wonderful nurse and they owed her an everlasting debt of gratitude but if i am not greatly mistaken the stylish matron did not wish to pay it by accompanying her downtown did you have to stand in the street car auntie laura asked for a spell i did child most of us had to there was two or three ladies on each side who had fixed themselves up in such a way that they couldn't even get close to each other without danger of crushing something so they just spread themselves out and took up pretty near all the room there was and the gentleman that was with them took the rest i felt sorry for their manners for i was the only old one among em and while i didn't grudge them the seats it looked kind of mean in them to sit still and see me stand i suppose i might have pushed in but i thought i wouldn't i had my revenge though the people kept crowding in and claiming the seats till they was crushed up about as close as they could stand it i stood there a-bobbing around first i would land on one side right in the lap of one of the fine ladies and i wouldn't no more than ask her to excuse me and get my bunnet straightened out a little then there would come a dreadful jolt and i would bob over to the other side i stepped right on a fine young gentleman's toe once i felt most dreadful sorry for him i know it must have hurt for he had a little mincing boot on too short and too narrow at the toes they hurt anyhow i know they did and when my foot came down hard on them it must have been awful i didn't blame him for looking savage at me and not saying a word when i asked his pardon at last a pretty child got in she wasn't more than seventeen or eighteen and she looked a little like you elizabeth i noticed her particular on that account she had more roses in her cheeks to be sure than you have just now looked about as you will next summer when you and irving come out to the hollow and drink new milk and hunt for fresh eggs then there came roses into Lita's cheeks and she laughed a happy little laugh as for irving he both smiled and shuddered he had so recently slipped from under the awful shadow that he still rejoiced with trembling well she seated herself with a good deal of pains into the speck of a place which they made for her she had a good many ruffles and puckers to look after 
and her great fur sack was quite a spell getting tucked into place but by and by she got fixed and had time to look about her just then the car gave one of them horrid jolts that feel as though they had driven over one end of a blacksmith's shop and broke the irons all to smash and i like to have tumbled down quite i most couldn't get my breath it took me so by surprise and them straps that they hang on to was so high above me that i couldn't but just get hold of the tip end for the land's sake says i i wish somebody would stop this thing for me and let me get out i shall be all black and blue well my pretty little lady hopped up in a twinkling and her eyes blazed about as yours do sometimes laura and says she madame take my seat please i do not mind standing in the least and i am younger than you of course i told her no and i said i couldn't take her seat away and all that but she just pushed me with them gentle little hands of hers i wasn't hard to push you see the thing joggled so that i couldn't stand stiddy and i would push one way about as easy as the other before i knew it another bounce landed me right in the seat well if you'll believe it there was no less than three of them gentlemen sprang to their feet and began a coaxing of her to take their seat they knew her too they called her miss something or other and they was very much in earnest but that little thing straightened herself up and stood as still in that tipsy car as if she had been on solid ground and got hold of the strap somehow i don't know how i'm sure she was a little thing but the strap seemed to kind of reach down for her to take hold of and says she no i thank you gentlemen i am quite able to stand much better able than the old lady was then they glowered at me as if i was to blame but i don't see how i could help their setting there and not thinking of offering me a seat any more than if they had been posts i never see gentlemen more beat than they was one of them took it so hard that he wouldn't set down again at all so i had plenty of room it was the one with the tight boots too and i wanted to ask him how his foot felt now but i thought i better not our pretty little Lita laughed so heartily over this story that it set her to coughing, and Mrs. Solomon laid down her knitting in haste and returned to her duties as nurse. "'I better keep my old tongue still,' she said in a tone of self-reproach when quiet had been restored. "'Laura there always sets me going with her questions, and I forget where I am. Solomon is such a master hand to listen,' that he has about spoiled me i talk right on like a mill-stream once i start then did lida protest with all her little strength against the still tongue she wanted to hear every bit about the afternoon it was such fun and if aunt maria would go on she would promise not to laugh any more and not cough another speck why there's nothing in life to go on about child said mrs solomon leaning forward to see to narrow her gray stocking i didn't have no adventures to speak of i saw a great many wonderful sights to be sure but i suppose you've seen em a hundred times i wasted a good deal of time trying to make up my mind to cross the streets the way them women did rush along right into the horses jaws scared me most out of my senses 
i couldn't have done it if i hadn't got across till this time solomon is always so careful in driving across a street looking right and left first to see that there is no child nor woman crossing i thought about it while i stood there thinks i to myself it's a good thing solomon ain't here with old nan he wouldn't get across the streets at all for there's a woman and a child all the time forty of em for that matter i'm beat yet to know where they could all be going to i got to the very thickest of it at one place i knew half an hour before that i must get across somehow soon but i kept walking along and thinking that there wasn't a good place and the next place was worse and every step i took the thing got thicker and so i turned round and went back a little and it was thicker there than it was anywhere else and says i at last well now maria what's the use you've got to get across take your life in your hand and go you'll be took care of if it's your duty to cross and if it isn't you hadn't ought to be took care of so i started i hadn't taken two steps when i was sorry i tried to jump back but i found it looked worse behind me than it did ahead there was a horse with his mouth open right at my bonnet ready to swallow it without paying any attention to the head in it and exactly before me was a couple of them pawing the ground and tossing their heads and just aching to step on me i could see it in their eyes for the land's sake says i what'll i do just then there stepped up one of them blue-coated gentlemen with gilt buttons a fine-looking man he was and tall enough for me not to feel afraid of anything you'd think and says he walk right across madam i'll see you safely over well i made another dash and sure enough he came alongside of me but dear me he couldn't be both sides at once and that road seemed to stretch itself out like a piece of india rubber seems to me it is a mile across i was most awful scared i tried to dodge back again but it wasn't no use by that time the opening through which i had come had closed up so there wasn't a sign of it to be seen at that minute another blue-coated gilt-buttoned man taller and straighter if anything and with a bigger stick than the first came to the other side of me and marched along holding up his club to them horses and they just stepped back respectful as if they knew they had found their master now and wouldn't be allowed to bite any heads off and i walked along right through the jam as nice as you please i don't know how it was done there wasn't any place to cross just a jam of men and women and wagons and horses and mora coming as far as you could see from both ways but i got across it's a broad road sure enough i said to the policeman and they all look as though they was hurrying to destruction i hope the feet of every one of them are really and truly in the narrow way and that they'll all get safe home at last i couldn't help saying it you see it seemed such a kind of solemn picture of our lives all rushing and pushing along not taking time to stop and think whether they are going the right way or not how many of them will get home do you suppose i asked the policeman and he answered me quick and pleasantly oh they'll come out right we have just such a crush as this every day 
and rarely an accident yes says i but i was wondering about the other home how many of them will get home to heaven then he looked at me for a minute and says he that's a hard question ma'am i can't tell i hope you'll be there says i but all he said to that was thank you spoken real gentle and then he went to help some other sacred body across End of chapter 16